Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers Podcast, where four homeschooling mamas with a combined 32 years of experience homeschooling our 12 kids, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier. We're so glad you're here. I'm Harmony Harkema. My co-hosts are Annie Carlson, Heather Gerwing, and Lindsay Hufford. Welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. This is episode two, your quick start guide to homeschooling. Thanks everyone for joining us today. I'm happy to have Heather, Harmony, and Annie here with me. This is Lindsay. And today we're going to talk about some of the most common questions that we have been getting as seasoned homeschoolers from parents who are considering homeschooling this year. We know that many of you listening are coming up to the start of a new school year and with a lot of uncertainty surrounding that, you may be making the choice to homeschool for the very first time. And we want to be here to be a resource for you. We want to be able to answer some questions for you. And hopefully at the end of this, you'll feel more confident in getting ready to homeschool this year. We're going to cover a lot of ground today, and this is just kind of a 101, a very basic introduction to some of these questions. A lot of these topics we're going to cover in more detail in future episodes, and we hope you'll join us for that. I'm going to go ahead and get right to the questions because we've got a lot to cover today. So the first question is, how do I pull my kids out of school, and what are the requirements for me to homeschool? Harmony, do you want to get us started with that? Sure. So we've talked about this before, but every state has its own requirements for homeschooling and for enrolling. And so what you probably want to do is get on the website for the Homeschoolers Legal Defense Association, hslda.org, and find your state and see what you need to do. Your district may have its own policy, so you can call your district office or you can Look on their website and see if there's information there about what you need to do to register. Thanks. That was super helpful. And we will link um, some information from HSLDA in the show notes for this episode. What if I decide to switch to homeschooling after the school year starts? Again, you would just need to check with your district to see what the requirements are. Some schools, you need to write a letter You'll need to check with your school district to see what their requirements are for withdrawing your child from school. And I just want to encourage parents out there that that is a totally viable option. I knew several parents in the spring who, when they were kind of thrust into virtual schooling with their kids, just realized that the virtual option wasn't a great fit for their kids. And that was specifically true of my friends with younger children who were being required to do multiple hours of Zoom meetings and online learning a day. And they just really didn't want their children on a screen that many hours a day. And I have a friend in Rhode Island who did that. And um, it was a pretty simple process. She just, in her state, the requirement is to send a letter of intent to the school that you're going to homeschool for the rest of the year and school with her kids that looked a lot different. They're learning about dinosaurs and Pokemon and doing some unit studies around that and less virtual learning. So just want to encourage people that there's no shame in if the virtual option doesn't work for your kids to find something else. Um, I think this is a question that is going to hit home with a lot of our listeners. What if I am not qualified or I'm worried that I'm not qualified to homeschool my kids? Wouldn't a certified teacher do a better job? Annie, you are a certified teacher. <laughs> would you I want am to talk a certified to teacher. <laughs> a little bit. I about would love. That. I would love to talk about that. A lot of people assume 
that because I have a degree in education and was a certified teacher and passed the national teacher exam, that I somehow have the golden key, that I have this leg up on home education. And I am the first to tell you that my education degree has been something I have had to overcome rather than does it enhance my homeschooling. We are experts in classroom management. I can get 30 kids to do a particular lesson. But when it comes to sitting down with your children, their likes, dislikes, their motivations, their challenges, friends, you are the expert on your child. You understand them better than any teacher ever could. I think it's important, too, to throw in here that the same goes for special needs kids and their parents. We are schooled, excuse the pun, to believe that you need an IEP or a special program and a special education teacher who's certified to teach your kids with learning disabilities, and that is not necessarily the case. What Annie said is true in the, in the same way. You know your kids better than anybody, and if you have the time to work with them, then you can make progress with them as a parent. And I have many friends who are homeschooling their special needs kids with everything from dyslexia to ADHD to Duchenne syndrome, Asperger's, autism, and their kids are thriving. So it's not something to be afraid of. You do not need an IEP to homeschool your kids. Thanks, ladies. I totally agree with all that you said and just also wanted to encourage the parents that if this is your first time homeschooling, you need to give yourself some grace in the beginning too, because it is going to be a little bit challenging in the beginning, but I guarantee that you will find a rhythm that works for your family over time. And just like Annie said, you don't need an education degree to home educate your kids. Lots of our listeners are probably thinking of homeschooling as a short-term solution while we are uh, experiencing the COVID-19 pandemic. How can they ensure that their kids are prepared to re-enter public school if that's the goal for their family? I'm working with a family right now to make sure that that happens. And they have three high school-aged girls. We are looking at their course schedule that they had planned for this year and choosing curriculum and areas of study that will complement that schedule. Because if they choose to return to public school for the 2021-2022 school year, they need to be on pace with their peers. If you are planning this as a short-term solution, uh, take a look at what your children would have been taking as a course load or a schedule, what subjects they have been covering. For high school, middle school age students, if you have elementary age students, there is scope and sequence. Each state department of education should have a list of what second graders should know, what skills they should possess by the time they have finished that second grade year. Those are all resources you can use to help keep your kids on track so that the re-entry back into public school curriculum can be fairly seamless. Thanks, Annie. Um, I also want to encourage parents, check your school district's website. Um, a lot of time there's information on there as well. I know for our school district, we had considered sending our son to public school for the 2020-2021 school year pre-COVID. And I was able to pretty quickly and easily on the website find what he would be learning in his seventh grade year if he went to public school. And that was really helpful for me in preparing for this year as well in case we would send him. But it looks like we're going to be homeschooling for the long haul again. Another question that I think a lot of people are considering is, 
how do I fill eight hours of a school day at home for especially my middle and high school age kids who we might be expecting them to do a certain amount more work than maybe the younger kids? Heather, you are currently our only relatable homeschooler with an upcoming high schooler. Do you want to get us started with that question? Sure. My quick answer would be you don't. But to elaborate on that, when they are high school, there's very little one-on-one instruction I am doing with my high schooler. I will assist her if she's not understanding a math concept or science. We can assist her and we come alongside her, but she is self-learning. She is in charge of her day. She knows what she needs to get done when it needs to get done by. I am not in charge of her day to make sure she's getting everything done. Have you done your math? Have you done your science? Now, my middle schooler, a little different. They're not quite there yet, but I'm still not filling eight hours a day for her. I would say at the most, my middle schooler does is probably five, and that is probably pushing it. So eight hours a day, I don't think is realistic. That might be how long they're in school if they went to school, but that's not how long we're doing school here at home. Anybody else? Yeah, I do have a friend locally who when the schools shut down for the lockdown and everything went virtual. Her main concern was that her son left to his own devices was doing nothing. And of course, we all know teenagers who kind of run that way. So what do you do if your teenager, especially, or your middle schooler is resistant or wants to be on screens all day or just sleep and and is not self-motivated? You know, kids who have grown up in public school are used to having their schedule run for them. So how do you navigate that? And I know one of the strategies that was successful for her was that she sat down with her son and said, okay, these are the things you need to accomplish on a daily basis. How are we going to do these? What kind of time frame do you think you need to do these on? When do you need to be up in the morning? How much work can you put in? How much time? And they came up with a schedule that he was in agreement about. And there may have been some negotiation about privileges and screens and devices and other things in that agreement, but they worked out something with the teenager's input. So I would say work with your child, regardless of the child's age. Even with my daughters, one of the things that we do do, um, and I actually did it today for next year, I sat down with my eight-year-old and I said, let's talk about what our school day is going to look like for the new school year. This is what we did last year. What do you want to do this year? In what order? When do you want to do history? When do you want to do literature? Because we kind of school in three blocks. We put all of the subjects on post-it notes and laid them out on the desk and she put things in the order in which she wanted them to be. And she made a couple of changes, but she felt empowered by that discussion that she had a say-so in when she's going to do the different pieces of work that she needs to do each day, independent work as well as work that is assisted by me and that we do together. Because of that, there was buy-in. So I would say that can work for kids elementary up to decide with them rather than just laying down the law, have a conversation. That's great advice, Harmony. Yeah, thanks, ladies. That was some really great insight. Moving along to our next question. Annie, do I have to teach every subject every day? No, you (laughs) certainly do not. And in fact, many public schools do not teach every subject every day. If your children are coming from a public school environment, did they have music every day or fayette or art or, you know, maybe they didn't do math every day? You do not have to teach every subject 
every day. You can do a unit study where you focus on maybe an art history lesson and you are studying the romantics or you're studying uh, composers or a certain time period in history and you just kind of take a deep dive into a subject rather than a prescribed 25 or 50 minutes of everything every day. You do not need an egg timer to time a 50-minute high school class period, just put it away. Just relax. I have one child who will do all of his math in one day, and then he does his other things throughout the week. But piggybacking on Harmony's comment, letting your kids decide, what do you want to study? I ask my kids that usually at the start of the fall and then after a winter season coming into the spring. What do you want to study? And get some input on them. And maybe that guides, you know, some choices that I make and how we spend our time or maybe we add in a piece of curriculum or take something away. One thing that has worked really well for our family is putting certain subjects on a loop schedule. So meaning that we kind of loop them throughout the week. Uh, Monday on our loop might be science. Maybe that's Monday and Wednesday. And then Tuesday and Thursday might be philosophy or something else that we don't really need to cover every single day, but I want to make sure my kids get uh, a general good exposure to those subjects. The loop schedule has been a really easy way for our family to keep up with multiple subjects that... Like I said, I want my kids to have some exposure to, but um, aren't as important to our family as maybe say like reading, writing, math. Yeah, we use loop schedule as well for, we actually have two loops. We have a morning loop and an afternoon loop and we kind of choose what's in them based on everyone's energy level. So the more low key relaxed things are in the afternoon because everybody's a little more tired by then. You just, you don't have to have like five subjects in your loop. You could have 13. Every day you do the next one, or maybe you'll do two from the loop because you have set aside 30 minutes for your loop. So you can do it kind of based on minutes, or you can do it just based on this is the one for today, and then you move on to the next thing the next day. And it works nicely. So could you guys talk to me a little bit about how you choose curriculum? After a lot of research. (laughs) (laughs) I second that. There is so much curriculum out there, right? I feel like we're very blessed to be in the age that we are in homeschooling because I think about, you know, the trailblazers of the homeschooling era and how little they had when they started. And that's not the case for us. Honestly, sometimes I feel like it's curriculum overload going through everything because there is so many things out there. So I really think you just need to take the time to do a little bit of research. There's Rainbow Resources website, but I also have the catalog. And even me as a veteran homeschooler, I sit there when that thing comes in the mail and I go through it and just look at everything. And I tab the things that I want to look up online to read more about. I would just say doing the research and then talking to other homeschoolers that you might know, asking them what they use. And then again, going to that curriculum's website and reading and researching about that curriculum. Well, and if you're in this for the short term, you may want to do a more what we call a school at home approach where you're using kind of a traditional textbook curriculum. You can buy those kinds of curriculums and you can find them in the kinds of online stores that Heather was just talking about. We also call those out of the box curriculums where you literally get the curriculum and you have everything you need to open and go. And there's not a lot of lesson planning involved or pre-reading or doing anything like that. It's really designed to just be open and go. If you ask a homeschooler or someone at a homeschooling 
store like email and ask a question, they'll know what you mean by open and go curriculum and we'll be able to help you. And you can buy curriculum from Holt Reinhardt and Macmillan and a lot of the traditional public school publishers. So it's possible that you could even get the same textbooks that your kids would be using in the school if that is something that you feel would be at your comfort level. But you can also branch out and try to figure out an approach that feels more personal to you or that aligns with your personality. Two of my favorite books to recommend One of them is called Homeschooling Gifted Kids, and I actually think it's a great primer no matter whether you have gifted kids or not. It's by Cindy West, and she describes all of the different styles of homeschooling, breaks them down, and gives resources about where to find them in a really simple, easy way for a new person. And then the book Plan Your Year by Pam Barnhill also lays out different types of homeschooling and examples of curriculums, which is a good starting point. Like Heather said, there is so much to choose from. It's sometimes great to just have a resource that maybe gives you a handful to look at rather than 30. So those are some places you can go. Yeah, there is that one book too that I remember getting when I first started early on, like the 101 top homeschool curriculums, like Kathy Kathy Duffy, Duffy. I think that's a good place to start because it's not everything just kind of like her top of every subject. I think too, um, something to consider when you're choosing curriculum is your kids' learning styles and how they learn best. And also don't forget yourself as the teacher and how you teach best. For example, our family, we are all voracious readers. We love reading. So we tend to do some pretty literature heavy curriculums that use a lot of living books to teach multiple subjects. That has worked better for us than say maybe a classical model or a more school at home model. Um, You guys kind of already hit on my next question, which is where do you buy curriculum? It sounds like mostly online for the most part. There's different online shops, so we can link to that in the show notes. Other than retail sites is check Facebook for your local area for homeschool groups because I've been able to find used curriculum just in our local homeschooling buy-sell trade group, and it is more affordable because it's used. That's a great segue into our next question, which is how can I homeschool and not break the bank? By used. By used. (laughs) (laughs) You were one beat ahead of me. Great minds think alike. By used. I think in addition to being the relatable homeschoolers, most of us are also the thrifty homeschoolers. Absolutely. (laughs) We are the users of the uh, used site. Do you have some favorite? I know, Heather, you mentioned the Facebook marketplace. What are some other places you guys find used curriculum? Our local homeschool groups right now because of the pandemic are doing trunk sales. Mm -hmm. So you have your curriculum and boxes in your trunks. You buy, sell, barter, trade with other homeschool families. There's a lot of inexpensive ways to find curriculum. I found stuff on eBay, eBooks, Thriftbooks. Um, Sometimes you can look at a curriculum's reading list and then utilize your Mm -hmm. local library and your library system to get those books into your children's hands rather than purchasing every book on that book list. Yeah, that's a great point. There are several curriculums that we have used the reading list for and that they're generous enough to add their whole reading list, you know, for free online is huge. And there have been years we've just used that for a way to help save some money while we're doing things. I would also add in, check with your homeschool friends because we tend to hold on to curriculum, especially if we're going to use it for multiple kids. And sometimes there might be an off year where we don't need it for any of our own children. Um, I know that there are a couple of curriculums that have been passed around by friend group multiple times that we've used kind of for first and second graders. And it's just always worked out that one family can use it every year and we're just keep sharing it between each other. Another place I have found used curriculum in good shape is Amazon's market. 
marketplace. There's also a website called homeschoolclassifieds.com and you can search for curriculum alphabetically on there and it's usually um, pretty well stocked with most of the more major curriculum publishers. Okay, well, that was a lot of great advice about where to find used curriculum and not break the bank. So let's move on to this question. A lot of our listeners may be thinking about what homeschooling looks like with younger kids, specifically toddlers and babies in the house while they're trying to homeschool their kids. What advice would you give them? I know when I first started homeschooling my girls, and I only had one son, I think, at the time, we didn't start our homeschool day till one o'clock when he went down for a nap. You know, morning was our playtime and the fun time. And then when he went down for his nap at one o'clock and was going to sleep for three hours, that's when we did school. And for kindergarten and first grade, that's all we really needed. Uh, When he started to get older and there was another baby along after him, I had the little rocking bassinet next to me. You know, you just make them a part of it. And then when they were a little bit older in the morning, uh, that's when they had their PBS time and they watched Sesame Street and they watched Wildcrats. And it gave me the few uninterrupted times that I needed with the girls without them being right there every second. I think a few years in a row, Wildcrats made up the majority of our homeschool science curriculum. And I will tell you that my kids learned things from that show that I did not know as an adult about animals. So just a plug for Wildcrats. It's a great way to uh, occupy your kids and have them learn something at the same time. When my younger daughter was three and two, I got some of those stackable Sterilite flip top containers and I filled them with activities. So I would put printed copies of shapes and a pair of scissors for her to practice cutting and a glue stick and she could get a piece of construction paper and glue the shapes down and then some beads to string. One was a bean jar with little measuring cups. So I had about six boxes and she would sit and play quietly and easily while my older daughter was working on school stuff. And now it's Legos and puzzles. And so if you can find a quiet activity, if they're old enough to do something with their hands and to sit and feel like they're part of it, like Heather said, make them part of it, an activity can be really good. I also know people who have their older kids switch off when they need to work with one. The other one will go and play with the littles and then kind of take turns getting help with lessons or whatever it is they need. Let's talk about one of our harder questions. What do I do if the day isn't going well? Drop everything and read a book. Go for a walk. Put on some music and dance around the kitchen. Bake cookies. Finger paint. Give them a bucket of water and paintbrushes and let them go paint the back porch. Yeah, those are what Harmony's trying to say is that do anything but (laughs) force the day to finish. Yes. Yes. That's a good way to sum it up. Anything. Here's the key, friends, to protect the relationship you have with your child. You can ruin a good day, a good week. You're going to sit here until the cows come home and we're both going to be mad at this math lesson. (laughs) Now, is there a time and a place to expect your child to finish a math lesson? Absolutely. But if the wheels have come off the bus, it's okay to take a time out. Mm-hmm. it's okay to take recess. Homeschoolers can have recess and say, we're going to reset after this break, or we're going to put this away for today and we will do it tomorrow morning instead of late tomorrow afternoon when afternoon is not maybe that child's particular strong point. Please don't think, you know, if you were in school, you'd have to finish this or stay after school. They're not in school. And that gives you the freedom to love on them. That gives you the freedom to take a time out. It gives you the freedom 
to meet your kid where they are that day. Well, and sometimes they just need a snuggle. Sometimes they need a nap. Sometimes they need a snack. Sometimes putting food in the mouth is like medicine and it changes everything. So be intuitive about it. I mean, you know your kids. Don't get so focused on the school part that you're not seeing your child. And sometimes it doesn't take long, but sometimes everybody just needs a nap. And sometimes we as moms just need to put our own selves in a timeout. That yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all such great advice. I know one thing that has been hard for me on some of the tough days is when nothing on my list and my planner has gotten done right. But I think it was Alicia Hutchinson posted a couple years back about making a got done list instead of a to-do list. So your got done list is you list what you did accomplish at the end of the day. And that has been an encouragement to me on the hard days. Like you said, maybe you didn't get your math lesson done, but you were able to snuggle with your kid on the couch and console them while they were having a hard time. Or maybe you had to have a great discussion. So I just love, Annie, how you pointed out, it really is all about the relationship and that should come first and that we all have hard days because we're all human. How do you manage household chores, meal planning and prep, grocery shopping, cooking, and all the other adult responsibilities that you have and homeschool? How do you manage getting all of your priorities done within a day? I clean one room a day. And so I spend 10, 15 minutes a day cleaning. I don't do anything heavy like floors, those I wait for the weekend. And so my house is basically never all clean at the same time, but it's always in a reasonable state of disrepair. And I get up in the morning and I put one load of laundry in. At lunchtime, I pull it out and fold it. So basically, I just spread everything out to make it manageable. And my kids have chores as well. So I consider that part of their education in training for life. And I really want my kids to grow up and be capable and to be able to themselves a pot of spaghetti and not ruin their whites when they leave my house. So we make that part of homeschooling for life and it takes off some of the weight of the chores. Same thing. All my kids do chores and we have certain things that get cleaned on certain days. But one of the things that I started doing, I think probably about two years ago that has truly saved my sanity is just meal planning for the week and writing it down and putting it on the fridge because I was going insane. The second they finished breakfast, what are we having for lunch? <laughs> and then the second they finished lunch, what are we having for dinner? So at the beginning of the week, I meal plan anyway because I'm figuring out what I need from the grocery store. So I have this little laminated sheet that's through the week, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and I fill it in for the week and I put it up on the fridge. And then when they ask me what we're having, I say, look at the menu. In our house as well, because I was getting really tired of people asking me the same question. So I think that's a great advice. I farm it out. I delegate a lot. Um, my kids wash all the dishes. I don't wash dishes. They don't have a dishwasher either. They actually have to hand wash dishes. And my kids have done their own laundry from the time they could uh, climb up on top of the washer. And I took a Sharpie and like drew arrows on the dial. So they knew if they lined up the arrows, that was the right way to do it. They do their own laundry. These kids are going to be home all day long. They have 24 hours in which to make a mess in my house. They also take that responsibility. And so sweeping up the cereal that you dropped and wiping up the lemonade that spilled. These are things that we all do because we live here. You can start them early. It's a wise parent told me when my kids were little, if they are old enough to make the mess, they are old enough to clean up the mess. So whether it's putting Duplo box back in the bin or whether it's a senior in high school cleaning up their midnight snack, kids can clean and they learn how to be productive members of the family through that training. 
I have been using grocery pickup service for four years now, long before people were doing grocery pickup because of the pandemic. And it is my no shame, great time saver. So I do meal plan and I do strategically grocery shop and place my order. And I usually, you know, during an activity, I double time it so that I'm multitasking. That is a huge time saver. And it also saves me a lot of money because if you're not walking around the grocery store with your kids throwing Twinkies in the cart, you spend less money. That's been a huge help. Thanks. That's great advice. Speaking of food, what advice do you have for the parents who have utilized uh, school breakfast and lunch programs and now are going to have kids at home? And instead of only having to worry about maybe preparing seven meals a week, now you're preparing 21 meals a week. I have streamlined this because like you, I don't want to be asked what we're having every minute of every day. I have a schedule. So Mondays, we have the same breakfast and Tuesdays, we have the same breakfast and that's just what it is. Make a list of what your kids like to eat. What are they willing to eat? Make a list of things that your kids want to eat and that they can participate in making. My kids make all the pancakes and French toast. And so they can take a part in that. When my kids were little, they loved Lunchables. Do your kids love Lunchables? My kids loved them. They thought they were the most fascinating things ever. And they were very disappointed that their mother would not buy them Lunchables. So we made our own version at home and they called it special lunch because it was so fascinating. And you can go to the dollar store and get the six cup muffin tins. And we would have six different foods. And my kids thought that was so amazing. And so each week I had one of the kids help me plan the menu for lunches and then they would help fill the lunches. And that was like a little tray and it was just very exciting. Just have a plan is my best piece of advice. Have a plan for for all of your meals and tell the kids that plan so that you don't have to keep answering the same questions. One of my favorite sources for lunch is Weelicious, Catherine McCord. And I have her Weelicious Lunches cookbook and my daughter loves to go through and pick things out of there. And so she will also participate in the meal planning. She cooks breakfast for herself and her younger sister, usually a couple times a week and lunch as well. But we also just have a rotation of this is what's in the house always for breakfast. These are your options. And then, you know, we have a kind of a rotating regular list of lunches. Even if you can come up with five lunches and then you just always have those things on hand. It's easy to rotate through them and kids do not tend to get tired of their favorites. I feel like my kids would eat their favorites every week and be totally fine with that. And I can be a little more adventuresome with dinner. Yeah. I, we tend to kind of sort that out and we are less adventurous with dinner. I would say we kind of make a weekly and that follows the same schedule. So like Monday is usually a pasta dish at our house. Tuesday is always taco Tuesday. Wednesday is always breakfast for dinner. Friday is always pizza night. So four of the seven days are something everyone will eat because I don't do multiple dinners at our house. So you have the option to eat the food that has been prepared. And um, also getting the kids involved really has helped them to be um, more excited to eat the food that they have helped cook. Okay, we're getting down to the last few questions here. Actually, the last question. And this is a big one. I think a lot of parents who are new to homeschooling might be feeling this right now. I don't think that I fit with the homeschool community. How can I find support? The homeschool community, for the most part, is probably more welcoming than you might think. I would say put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to join a Facebook group, especially if you can find something local, because 
there may be, as the coronavirus starts to lift, there may be opportunities to meet people in person and to get some in-person support. But the local people that you can find over social media especially, will know what your state's rules are. They'll know what other local resources are available. You know, our zoo is doing online learning right now and our botanic gardens has some video classes and things like that. And those are all places that we can actually even go right now as a family. We just can't go in a big group. A local group will be able to help you. There are also national groups and groups based on different homeschooling authors, their communities that they've formed online. And if you find somebody that you resonate with, just don't be afraid. You can join and then learn in the shadows. There's no shame in lurking and gleaning from other people and what they're sharing. That's great advice. I would just say too that there's not just one type of homeschooler, right? Everybody homeschools differently. You're going to find somebody that you click with and you're going to find somebody who you share the same ideas about homeschooling. It might not be the first person you meet, but there's so many different styles and types of homeschooling that the people are just as diverse. You're going to find somebody. It just takes time. Finding homeschool community can be challenging. I live in a very small town. Um, I'm 50 miles from the nearest homeschool co-op. It can feel isolating. You can feel like you're the only one. In fact, there are just two families in our school district that are homeschooling. But we have found community in other places. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be a homeschool co-op group or field trip group or nature experience group. You can find community and support in other ways. Online, I have a lot of great uh, homeschool connections and support through Facebook and other online communities that can really help you, whether it's just a fellow parent group, or maybe it's an interest group, or maybe it's your type of curriculum or your homeschool philosophy. There are different ways to make and build community through homeschooling. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that this year will probably be unique in that new homeschoolers may be able to find more new homeschoolers than in previous years, just because I think there's going to be a lot more homeschoolers this year or people doing virtual school at home. So um, just look within your local community too, to find that support. Ladies, this has been super helpful. I have loved hearing all of your insight into each of these questions. Um, I think we could probably talk for a lot longer and I hope that we revisit some of this but I would just like you to each share um, your top three homeschooling resources that you would recommend to new homeschoolers. My first would be a planner, just a place for you to write down what you'll be doing or to track what you're doing. I love my Mardell Simple Plan Planner. It has definitely been beneficial to me just so I have one place where all the information is. The second one is very similar, but it's an online thing. It's Donna Young and I think it's .com. We'll double check that and put that in the show notes. But she has different forms on there as well that you can print out. She has an online transcript. So being that I have a high schooler starting, I am using that for tracking my transcript for her. And then the last one would be Pam Barnhill. She is a veteran homeschooler and she has so many resources, but the one that we use the most is her morning basket. It really has changed uh, the way we homeschool. I didn't used to do like morning time when I first started. After reading her book, Better Together, it just really inspired me and made me make doing morning time with my kids a priority. And because I have an elementary, a middle school, and a high schooler, it's just the one time 
of the day that we start together. She just has a lot of great resources on her website. My friend Cindy West, who lives in Kentucky, has a great website. It's called Our Journey Westward. She has a lot of lesson plans that you can purchase to use yourself. She also does some online video classes. My daughter loves her No Sweat Nature Study, which is a live class done on Zoom, but you can also watch it as an archived video. We think Cindy's got great resources. My favorite out-of-the-box curriculum is called Sunlight. It's S-O-N-L-I-G-H-T. Now, it's a Christian curriculum, but I absolutely love the book choices and everything is done through story. We have used Sunlight off and on, often in combination with other things, but I've always find myself returning to Sunlight for the book list every year and in some way incorporate what they have. But they do offer lesson plans that are fully made out for you and you can literally get an entire curriculum kit delivered to your door. Sunlight does publish a secular version called Bookshop as well. So if somebody wanted to look for a secular version. I totally of forgot about that. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's not as well known for sure, um, but it is a great option. Um, for those looking for a secular option. The third one is the Read Loud Revival, which is both a podcast and a website and a membership site owned by Sarah McKenzie. She has a lot of great podcast episodes that focus on homeschooling and a membership site too with great masterclasses for homeschooling moms, live writers workshops for kids, and author meetups on video where kids can meet the authors of their favorite books and ask questions. So those are probably my three favorite resources, along with some of the ones that have already been mentioned. Annie, how about you? My three resources. The first one is Wild and Free, which is also a book and a podcast and a group. The book is called The Call of the Wild and Free by Ainsley Arment. And it's just a wonderful book, um, raising kind of what I refer to as free range kids and exploring nature. And I just love the encouragement. There are also groups all across the United States of wild and free parents that are gathering and in community and supporting one another. The second resource I love is Simple Homeschool by Jamie C. Martin. Again, a website. She has a lot of great resources. She is just such encouragement to me and I love her weekend links. She just feels like someone who holds my hand through my my homeschool journey. And then thirdly, a great resource that I found when I was kind of finding my way, kind of deciding if this is what we were going to do. It's an archive site now, but it's Reed Drummond's The Pioneer Woman. Google The Pioneer Woman slash homeschooling and you'll find her archive site. Tons of great information there. Not only did Reed share a lot of their experience, but also she has wonderful contributors that also share their experience and advice. So it's archived now. Um, all of it is there. And the search function works really well, friends. You can find just about anything you're looking for uh, using the search function on that archive site. Thanks, Annie. I'll go ahead and share my three things last. The first one I would say is Brave Writer slash Julie Bogart. So that's I'm kind of getting two in there, but Julie Bogart is the creator of the Brave Writer curriculum. It's also a website. Julie Bogart is my, I guess, homeschool guru who I feel like holds my hand Um and has been a big encouragement to me, especially when things are rough. Julie has four or five adult children um, that she homeschooled, I believe, all the way through. So it's kind of like having someone a few steps along the way who's already been there and done that, who just offers a lot of encouragement to me. And in addition to just her encouragement, I really like her approach to teaching writing. And we have used a few of the Brave Writer writing curriculums and really enjoyed them in our family. Um, My second resource that I would recommend is a podcast called Honey, I'm Homeschooling the kids. I'm not remembering the 
person who makes the podcast her name off the top of my head right now. So I'll have to get that in the show notes, but it definitely has uh, more of an unschool bent to it, but it's just a really great podcast. Most of the episodes are interview based where um, the host interviews a guest who is usually someone who's well-known and kind of the homeschooling or unschooling sphere. And as our family has moved to more of an unschool approach, it's just been a lot of great encouragement for me and also great information for me. And I would really uh, recommend it to anybody who is interested in learning about alternative styles of education. And the last one I'm going to recommend is actually a reading curriculum all about reading. So I have used it with two of my three kids to teach reading. And I know that for parents who might be homeschooling for the first time, who have younger kids, teaching them to read can feel like a really stressful thing. And I have a reluctant reader and I also have a child with dyslexia. And this program has worked really well, just very systematic, uh, lots of hands-on manipulatives and different activities to kind of reinforce the reading with the kids. And I think it's a really solid, great curriculum choice when you're teaching your kids to read. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you'll join us for some future episodes. You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Relatable Homeschoolers. We'd love it if you leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling schooling.